DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Time to welcome in Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz. Bowler, good morning. Hey, David James, PK, how are you? Good. PK, I was just thinking that song's perfect for you. Another, another, uh, another hit, Learning to Fly. I could hear you up on stage. Yeah, I worked with TP in the Heartbreakers back in the day. Miss Tom. Yeah, I did too, man. Yeah. TP. DJ PKTP. Just all flows. All flows. It do. It do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. All right, Buller, let's get right to the important stuff. Yeah, yeah. When there is a crazy NBA playoff game, and it's going back and forth, and teams are dropping runs on each other, and one of the national broadcasters advises us to bo- buckle up. What is your immediate reaction? Uh, I should get a nickel per uh, per uh, per se per comment. I think uh, again, I do appreciate the tweet. Uh, I, 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 it's too late to trademark that. Obviously, other broadcasters use it. I guess uh, it does upset me. No, I'm kidding. Now, Tom, Tom's incredible. I, I love that game last night. Uh, man, wow! The fourth quarter, back and forth, thirty-five, thirty-three. Uh, points scored in the fourth. That was uh, that was. I'd pay money to see that one, personally. Yeah, I hear you. It was. Uh, I think the whole playoff has been exciting. A bunch of great games, left and right. Uh, one of the things that I've I've sort of been thinking about as it relates to the Jazz is the number of guys who are having big time uh, effects on winning ball games and they're not necessarily high picks you need your studs at the top i understand that you know and i think mitchell is there he's always if he's not there he's certainly on his way and gobert defensively is already there needs to improve a little bit offensively so the jazz going forward as they want to improve you know a tyler hero who was the 13th pick uh, Jimmy Butler ended the first round. You know the two best guys on Miami last night. Even out of, out of bio, uh, what was he? He was like twelve or something. I'd have to go back and double check. Yeah, he was mid. He was mid first, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Right. So they're not necessarily built on these top two or three guys. So I know it's hard to find these. I don't want to call them hidden gems because they're still being taken in the first round. But guys who are underdrafted or undervalued relative to their draft position i happen to think there's every year there's more and more players that are really really good you got to go find those guys to supplement this roster because it's going to be top heavy uh, financially but go get those guys they're available so it's hard to do but it's doable and if you do it and you strike gold you can have a pretty good team yeah, you're you're spot on, PK. I, I can't tell you how many times you look at the top one through five draft picks that you look back and you shake your head and you go, "Wow, it just didn't work out." You know, you, they always would say, "Well, we took a flyer." Uh, mostly, they were they were centered around bigs at times, and or injury would take out uh, a player. A uh, Brandon Roy, you know, comes to mind too, who had talent, but. You never know what's going to happen in, in the long term. But, yeah, I was impressed with Tyler Hero. I mean, his comments in the postgame last night are spot on. That's who he is, you know, um, as he as he indicated. Um, and, you know, that's a confident kid. But, you know, I was impressed with him when we saw him just the one time this year. And, you know, out of Kentucky, I mean, well coached, but yet you just saw that he can handle the stage, you know, even though there's no one in 
you know, around the stage per se in the bubble, but he just seems to be comfortable on uh, when the time calls for him uh, to deliver. And maybe that's bolsterous coaching. Maybe that's the whole way of this Miami Heat team. I'm impressed with Miami, PK, and DJ. Boston seems a little stunned at times. Miami just, you know, they took two big punches last night uh, on those runs by Boston, but uh, they came back with a run of their own and almost felt like the officials. There were three calls back to back to back uh, that they had to re- you know, review and replay, and you know, everything kind of fell in Boston's lap. Uh, but Miami held on uh, to win with the big three down the stretch. So, yeah, it's a, it's a fun series. And uh, same with Denver and the Lakers, man. You look at guys who are stepping up, Jamal Murray and the Jokic, who people thought, again, was a, a roll-the-dice flyer-type guy, but he continues to impress me, man. I, I tell you, he makes some ridiculous shots, but he has confidence from outside for such a big guy. And then, the, the pick and roll ability and and his you know and, and his passing so yeah don't turn your back on guys just because they're not top five top ten players I think there's hunger there PK and DJ uh, there are many who believe they deserve better and I think that fuels them uh, on the floor when the other top five or ten believe they should have been there so they don't have as much drive that's my thought hunger is a good thing and professional sports because you want to prove some critics wrong along the way. So, Bowler, as you see the Nuggets' success, does this uh, should this depress Jazz fans because it could have been the Jazz, or should this encourage Jazz fans because, hey, if they're this close to the Nuggets and if the Nuggets could actually uh, pull this thing off, the Jazz aren't that far away, or... Hey, their series was their series, but it doesn't mean anything would have happened for the Jazz going forward. The Jazz could have lost to the Clips. We shouldn't be yeah. reading into this too much. Well, you you got to be thinking about the Jazz as you sit there and watch the Nuggets. Which of those storylines seems the most true? Oh, wow. Uh, I'd almost have to mix a couple, Stan. Um, you're upset as a Jazz fan, but also in, uh, because you could you can't say should have, would have, but at the same time, throw that out the window. But I understand. I understand that emotion because I feel that at times too. Uh, with Bogdanovich, maybe it's all different, but we'll never know. So you got to get over that too. I'm hoping it's it's, it's kind of the middle one uh, or part of two and three, where they're, you're angry but also you you are hungry. Uh, I keep going back to the word hungry. Maybe this is that motivator, those steps that you talk about. People, the teams take uh, to to get to levels. One, two, three, and four. Denver has been there a little longer than the Jazz, so as a team, so you hope that this is something that angers you enough to work harder. And knowing that Bogdanovich and maybe off-season moves one or two will will be that deciding factor. You know, we're always going to talk about this in the off-season unless you won a championship, and then if you do, yours probably the discussion would be how do you keep this team together you know, with the salary cap and all that, uh, or who's going to leave and who's going to come in. But I, I still see good things with the Jazz, man. I mean, youth for one, and PK, you made a point. I mean, Jokic has the offensive ability that, that really Rudy has not developed. And I think that's the one thing the Jazz fans see, and the Jazz know that as well. I mean, yes, at the rim, he leads the league. Uh, so I'm going to get people who would argue at 70% at the at the at you know, from the floor, 
but it's the ability to also spread the floor, take the shot outside, which is so important in the NBA today. And even a sweeping hook shot uh, would also give him another uh, weapon in, in the arsenal. But I think that that's what's impressed me the most is that Jokic uh, has that ability. But then again, the argument would be when, you, when Jokic goes up against Gobert, his ability to defend uh, the Joker, you know, sometimes negate his ability to do what he likes to do. So there's always a debate there. Both have great talent um, in different ways, and I think that's how you have to weigh it. But, you know, I keep hoping he grows, you know, into into more of an offensive threat besides just at the rim. And I think those are things that um, the Jazz are well aware of. And how do you also help this team uh, you know, negate maybe his lack of offense from from the floor, uh, and what player or two do you bring in to help? Uh, you know, make make the Jazz even more potent offensively. So it's it's quite an equation, quite a discussion to have, man. So with the contract situations, you know, we know Conley's in his last year. Uh, Joe's winding down. You're always building. But at some point, you put all your chips on the table. Do you yeah. think the Jazz will do that in this offseason? Yeah, that's a great question, PK. Um, you know, are they going to – the chips would include, you know, extensions um, uh, unless those players decide because of the salary cap, maybe it doesn't uh, bode well for them and they wait. But uh, I would think the Jazz want to get Donovan tied up as quick as they can. The discussion about Supermax is always going to be there until – Rudy and the Jazz make a decision. Uh, Mike Conley's got $34 million. Um, you know, he, when he's healthy, uh, he intrigues me. I think, he's, I think he's definitely, I think he's definitely caught himself, I think he's definitely caught himself uh, in a much better situation. Here I'm listening, watching highlights of uh, last night's game. Um, but it's, um, you know, it, it's, uh, Gosh, that's a great question about throwing all the chips on the table. I still think there's still a chip or two they've got to uh, they they have to purchase <laughs> or or trade and obtain. Um, that's kind of the way I'm thinking. I, I don't know if you throw them all now that you get the the, the final results that you want. Uh, so I'm I'm a believer that there's a chip or two that still has to be brought in to to make this thing really uh, at the highest of level, and also maybe to appease Donovan and, and Gobert at the same time. Uh, to get that job done. So I get um, the appease thing, and uh, I don't know if it's appease, maybe encourage, but I get where you're going. It's, appease doesn't yeah. seem like right, the, the exact word. But, you know, when I come back and I, I watch this, and Tyler Hero's performance in Game 4 aside, a lot of these games have been defined by the greatness of the best player or the second best player. So as much as the best players always want the club to go out and be acquiring help, and you can't underestimate that, it really comes down to, Donovan, are you going to be able to do 50 when there's a crowd and there's all that adrenaline at home and all that adrenaline working against you on the road and maybe you're not getting calls? You know, this environment was different. Um, But... If he can go to that level, well, that's what it takes to get deep in the playoffs. So if he mm-hmm. can repeat that, as much as we obsess about the sixth, seventh, and eighth guy in the roster, and they do make a difference sometimes, without question, that top guy makes a big difference a lot of times. 
Uh, let's go back to uh, Game Three with the Lakers uh, and the Nuggets because the night before, the two days before, Anthony Davis buries the three for mm-hmm. a win, and I'm just going to use the, anal- the analysis of Chuck Barkley, right, and Shaquille O'Neal, and that he saw that I'm sure just the back and forth about no, he didn't think that Anthony Davis and LeBron James played that big a factor in Game Three, and you kind of stand back and go, what? Because the the box score tells you differently, but his theory was, as a former player, is they brought no energy, uh, and so the energy that you need uh, and uh, didn't impact the game in Game Three. That Denver brought the energy, and reality they did, um, and so that 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 to me was an interesting point by Barkley. And sometimes you, you laugh at those two guys, but sometimes, you know, you really get a, an interesting comment. And I kind of pondered that for a while. And to your point, DJ, uh, yeah, you need the studs at the top, but you also need that support at times, like a Tyler Hero last night. Or uh, I guess, you know, Butler, uh, you know, uh, at times for Denver. So Or Jeremy Grant, pardon me. So, um, it's gosh, man, I tell you, it's, it's an interesting mix in my opinion on how all this works out, the chemistry for one. Uh, but I still think even though you have the stars at the top, you have to have that supporting cast that can pick you up on different nights. And, uh, the jazz are trying to close in on that. And Jordan Clarkson's part of that, that equation, if they can resign him. Right. So, yeah, you got to have the studs, but I still think you got to have some players that can help you in nights where you may not be at the top of your game. Craig Bowler, Jack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz, join us. Uh, Bowler, I want to switch gears and talk a little football with you because I know yeah. you're following it. Oh, and yeah. there are some weird stories out there. A team doctor puncturing oh. a player's lung with a pregame painkiller. Have you ever heard of anything Never. like that? Never, never heard of that type of mistake being made. I mean, with all the injections that happen in college or NFL, I'm sure that, you know, the odds would finally catch up with you, right? Uh, you know, it took me back, DJ, to the old movie, remember North Dallas 40, uh, with Nick Nolte, uh, and it was a betrayal, of, a portrayal of the Dallas Cowboys, um, and, you know, players taking the shot uh, to get on the football field. Uh, but, you know, man, I, I didn't realize, I think the comment was from the coach of the Chargers that most of the players take some injection prior to playing to numb the pain. And look, we know this game is brutal, modern-day gladiators, but uh, I never heard of a, of a doctor making a mistake like that to puncture a lung to, to numb the effects of some, some cracked ribs. That's scary, to be totally honest. I mean... Um, what happens from here? I'm sure it's under investigation, right, by the NFL, you know, Association of Doctors, I believe, and probably the Players Association as well. But that's that's a scary one uh, to 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 really grasp the fact that just before kickoff, your court, your starting quarterback is sidelined because of a punctured lung due to the fact that the doctor gave you a pain shot. That's that is a strange. That's a strange one. I feel like there's going to be a new doctor there. I think there is. Yeah. <laughs> or or that doctor is not going to be allowed to, to inject anyone. Uh, I, yeah. I just don't know how that happens. Um, but it did. 
and it took a, a their their quarterback out. Uh, but Herbert came in. I thought played ex- extremely well, man. By the way, against Kansas City. So, uh, but still, it's the factor of the health of the player, and that's what it all comes down to. And that just can't happen. It, it just cannot happen. You know, I feel like um, Herbert played well, but I don't feel like he played that well. They scored twenty points and they lost the game. Now he didn't line up behind the guard the way John yeah. Elway started his career, and he didn't throw pick sixes, and he made a couple of good throws. So you can see the potential, and you can see why uh, you know, they wanted him. And maybe it'll work out pretty quickly for him. Maybe it won't. I don't, I don't know what the career arc is going to be going forward. But it, it almost felt like uh, he benefited from really low expectations. And I, honestly, I just can't help but think that comes from being in the Pac-12. And people didn't watch him play. <laughs> it's just yeah, like, you're you know, probably right. You know, it's like I mean, 20 yeah. points and you didn't win the regular season game. We've seen young quarterbacks in their second year in the AFC title game with the Patriots in overtime on the road. So let's not get too wound up about this young quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, under the circumstance, because he was like, uh, hey, get on the field right now because you're going to uh, start, yeah. I thought he handled that pressure situation pretty well. And he didn't really uh, – I thought he just played – what would you call it? it? He didn't make major mistakes for them to make – you know, uh, to, to really put them in the ditch. Right. But they, he just kind of kept them there and and uh, didn't do anything that spectacular. I thought he made some good passes at times and some good reads. Uh, but at the same time, you're right. I mean, it was, it was one of those moments where <laughs> – you, where's your helmet? Because you're going to start against yeah. the, you know the defending Super Bowl champions. That's that to me. I thought he kept his uh, kept his poise uh, fairly well under the circumstances. You know. See, I tried to I tried to chum the waters right there to get you bite on the Chiefs and nothing. You know, we've seen a young quarterback in an AFC title game. I thought you know you're a Kansas City kid. You're still a Chiefs fan. I thought you you didn't react at all. You just you well, just I'm trying to bait. you know maintain uh, my balance of uh, enthusiasm. At times, pal. <laughs> yeah, but that Mahomes kid, pretty good, you know. You think? Yeah, you know. Bully. what when he when he sprints, especially to his right, and his ability to throw on the run. I know it's a slingshot kind of a sidearm, but his 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 strength of arm, uh, arm strength, strength of arm, arm strength. <laughs> he's it is amazing. The guy has just a gunner. I mean, the guy can throw the football, and he's got some targets as well. Uh, Kelsey's. Uh, I love him as a tight end, and uh, the cheetah. Uh, you know, um, it's 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 a it's a interest. Their defense still scares me, and, and um, who doesn't every week? Who has a team they follow has concerns, but um, you know they get behind a lot. Uh, but they have the ability to come back, and you know sometimes that's that's just not going to work for you, as we all know. So uh, I'm curious if you've gone NFL tickets so you can see your Chiefs play every game or if you're aware that they're going to have 12 to 14 games on either over-the-air or basic cable TV, and uh, then you'll make other plans for the other games. Yeah, I make plans for other games, yeah. so uh, that's kind of the way I work it. Um, but I try to watch as much as I can, flip it here, flip it there, but I notice you keep us informed whether or not uh, the, the Broncos, the Niners, the Chiefs, uh, whoever, whomever may be on, so I, I try to keep track of. I post of the uh, I post the coverage maps, and I know you're into that kind of stuff. I know you I love coverage I, maps I, I because when I called those games, I always say, "Hey, hey, 
Uh, let me see the coverage map. Uh, we're 14% today, Bowler. Ah, oh, shoot. Okay, gotcha. You know, and then you knew Nance was going to always have uh, that, that 60 or 52% of the country. Yep. Uh, yeah. But the, the exciting part was, uh, as it was back in the old days of the uh, NCAA tournament, when they all of a sudden in your headset said, uh, the rest of the country is going to join you, and you go, whoa, big yeah. time. Here we go. All right. Yeah. Well, it's the, uh, it's the Raiders on CBS this week, and the Broncos are over on uh, Fox, and we're not going to see the Cowboys and the Seahawks because Fox chose the, uh, the Bronco game. I don't think they did the local Fox station any affiliate when they scheduled those two into the same TV window on the same network. But yeah, that, that's, uh, that's that the one hurt. that uh, makes you pull your hair out. Yeah, well, that's okay. It's going to happen to Channel 2 in a couple hey, weeks. Hey, what here. did you think of the Raiders' uh, new home? Uh, that that's the stadium. Um, I don't, you know, I can't get into this cause we've just had two games out of LA, right? The charger game. And before that, the Rams opener there and like an empty stadium. I want to see what it looks like when it's yeah. fall and what does it sound like? You know, the sound of a football game is so distinctive, you know? And so it empty, well, you kind of see what the stadium looks like, but I don't know. It just kind of, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a good feel for it when they're not full. Yeah, that's a good point. Architecturally, it looked good, but you're right, man. How does it sound when you put uh, the sixty-five thousand or more inside of a, uh, out of a stadium? It may be a while before that happens. I always liked uh, the Seahawks. Uh, that's a great a great perch to call a game. Uh, they've got a great atmosphere up there too, but uh, nothing better than Arrowhead, pal. I noticed they built the uh, the ground level luxury suites in L.A. like they did in Dallas, which isn't surprising because right. the Rams owner is tight with the Cowboys owner, and I think he told him, "Hey, th- those people really like those. It's a little it's a little different, but it's a little bit like the bunker suites that the Jazz did when they right. remodeled the arena, which isn't just a Jazz thing. The Warriors, the Knicks, there's other teams doing it either in remodels or new arenas. Uh, but I find it interesting, and it must be because they have TVs in all of these now, because the view there isn't necessarily great, but the sound... I mean, obviously, if you're on the ground at one end of the field and there at the other end, you can't see a thing, right? But the sound, the fact that the players run by you coming on and off the field, there's something about the proximity that clearly gets the adrenaline pumping because people are definitely paying for these suites. They do in Dallas, and I'm sure they're going to, you know, for the Rams too. Yeah, well, you know, those are all corporate uh, money. And I don't even know, too. The only thing that bothers me sometimes about bunker suites is uh, when I've been around, you know, the NBA arenas now more than ever is that um, those bunker suites, sometimes the fans forget to come back to the floor after halftime. Yeah. And that because they are socializing, having a good time, and that they have a television that they can just watch while they sit and converse, right? Instead of being, why would you, I don't know. That's a whole other story. <laughs> you pay, when you pay that, but it's there to make a deal, a business deal, yes. I guess is, is what it's all yes. about. But at yes. the same time, you're missing the whole beauty of having those seats to be close to the game and to absorb the sounds of the game. Right. The but as someone told me about another stadium at another time, it's business to business. And yeah, you drop a thousand or five thousand, but if you close a two million or twenty million or two hundred million dollar deal, it's an investment. And if you mer- miss the first three and a half minutes of the third quarter, eh. I mean, everybody's out by the fourth quarter. Everybody's out then. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Or, or they're walking out the door if we're up the staircase or out to the parking lot, depending on what the score is. So yeah, there's that. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's an interesting concept of what it is. I mean, a lot of deals have been made in a lot of stadiums and arenas. We all know that. Bowler, we appreciate the time for that far-ranging discussion. Thanks for covering a lot of ground there. Yeah, it was fun. It's good stuff, and it's true. Uh, I, I hope we get into a, an arena sometime soon. Uh, that's the next step, and hopefully it's uh, safe. And I think uh, the house that Larry built needs a little sound and some fans back in it, and hopefully it's soon. Thanks, Bowler. See you soon. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Everything you missed in this show coming up next. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Time to catch you up to date on everything that you're missing if you got to this show a little late today. Let's get you the brand new news. John Wilner, just tweeting out, writes for the San Jose Mercury News, has been all over conference news, TV deals. He's made it his specialty. And he tweets out, it is clear to me that the Pac-12 collective's return has been undermined by UCLA's upper administration, not caring a lick about athletics, given all the hurdles faced by the conference with L.A. County and California. They need to push on both fronts. I thought the California hurdles were cleared. I thought those got cleared pretty quickly. Are there more hurdles I don't know about because I'm not following it close enough? No, news. But I thought the the California yeah. hurdles that that was uh, that was like a wet paper towel pushing through that. Yeah, Newsom cleared the way. L.A. County cleared the yeah, way. Yeah, it so. seemed like as soon as they addressed it, and L.A. County said, "Well, you guys haven't done any of the paperwork. Do the paperwork. You know, the bureaucracy demands paperwork. I know we're all shocked by that. Please file your paperwork. What? I wasn't as clear on L.A. County." Uh, UCLA not being that into athletics. Yeah, I kind of get that. Certainly not into football. Playing off campus. Took a big push by Neuheisel. You know, the, uh, the guy returned the court, the hero quarterback returning to his alma mater saying, hey, what worked in the 80s doesn't work now. We ought to upgrade our facilities. Now, to their credit, I think they have done some of the work on the facilities. But man, it took a, uh, took a big push to get there. But Wilner saying uh, UCLA is the break in all of this. Uh, the conference is meeting today. Presidents, chancellors, we're expecting an announcement. We're expecting them to play. It seems like either Halloween or a week later, November 7th, will be the start date. With the Big Ten playing on the 24th, and you need to get in every game you can if you're USC or Oregon, who seem like the two schools most likely uh, to get to a playoff. And so if you're going to get in a playoff and get that extra share, you know, that extra pile of money out of that, it seems like you need to play, you know, how can you play eight games? Can you get back on Halloween? Now, will the league agree that some schools play eight and others play seven? Man, it seems like these conferences are just bound and determined to stay in lockstep. There just doesn't seem to be any wiggle room for anybody to do anything different. So I, I'd be surprised if they play different numbers. The starting on different dates wouldn't surprise me so much. You can build in a buy later on, and you can set up the schedule, as the Pac-12 did with the... Second schedule, this would be the third one, right? You had the original 12-game schedule that everything was signed you know, five, seven, ten years in advance. And then they had the new schedule they put out that was conference-only right before they shut everything down. 
And that one, the first two games, teams were in these four-team pods, and those four all had the same bye week. So any of those games could be pushed back and rescheduled. I assume they could do something like that. You know, so I also assume that when the schedule comes out, we're going to see that you play everybody in your division, and then the question is, do you play one crossover game or two? Three would be max if they play eight games, but I'm, I'm not totally convinced they're going to get that many games in. Wouldn't surprise me if we ended up with, uh, with seven, if that ended up being the number. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, we're expecting something later today. They're expected, the CEOs are expected to vote on the, uh, on the football restart. So, where does this go? Keep it tuned here as soon as, it, uh, as soon as the news breaks. Whichever show is on the air, we're live and local all day long. So, whoever it is, we'll have it for you. Uh, the Mountain West, we're also expecting a, a potential return there from the Mountain West. And how will that work? Will all 12 teams play? I don't know if you saw this. Uh, you, uh, Hawaii has had this quarantine. Um, 14 days if you go to Hawaii. Now, it's really hurt tourism in Hawaii, and that tourism is obviously a massive part of the economy there. Uh, but now some of the airlines are doing COVID tests and uh, before you go. So might be a little easier to get in and out of Hawaii than it has been. So maybe they'll play. Hawaii and New Mexico, I think, where the schools teams are. The other teams in the league we're looking at. But they got three California schools, too. So we'll see how that, uh, how that plays out for those three schools as well. All right, so that's the, uh, the big college football news. Games are getting rescheduled. Uh, Notre Dame and Wake Forest to push their game back to December 12th. They can't play this weekend because of positive COVID tests. Uh, the Houston Cougars, four weeks in a row, they've had a game called off. And a total of five games, actually had two games scheduled in uh, one week and didn't get to play them. So now North Texas has called that game off. So it's still, uh, it's still a roller coaster for these teams. We talk college football with Brian Keel, former BYU linebacker. Uh, glass is half full. He's not thrilled with the fact there are no fans, but the fact there is a game is the headline to him. And the biggest story, as he said, he's staying optimistic. And so the glass is a little more than half full right now. Uh, as far as winning that game, uh, BYU ought to. This is the kind of game you ought to win. And the Vegas odds makers, depending on where you look, 14, 15-point favorites. It seems like if you're going to uh, be a team that comes in and win, you do it with big-time playmakers that we simply don't know. They were overlooked. Um, they were late bloomers, whatever the case. Uh, when BYU uh, lost to Nevada in 2002, they had Nate Burleson, who went on to play uh, 11 years in the NFL and had a really good career, uh, first with the Vikings, but then later with the Seahawks and the Lions. And when they lost him again in 2010, uh, Colin Kaepernick threw for a touchdown and ran for a touchdown. So they're, they're not the big-time five-star recruits going to USC and Oregon or Bama, Oklahoma, and Ohio State. The future NFL guys, and, and Brian Keel was talking about how there's always a half-dozen guys who are really good players who came from these smaller schools, whether they were a group of five or, in some cases, a championship subdivision, but they could play. And for whatever reason, they got missed. So there's always that fear, right, that there is some – Awesome wide receiver that you don't know about is going to have 10 catches, 150 yards, and three touchdowns. Um, but BYU should control the line of scrimmage and should win the game. So we talked a little football with him. We had Jeff Perlman on, author of The Three Ring Circus, Kobe, Shaq, Phil, and the Crazy Years of the Laker Dynasty. Yak and I were laughing about this in the break. So he tells one of the first stories he comes on and tells a story that's actually fairly well known in Utah about Greg Ostertag getting slapped to the ground by, uh, by Shaq and looking at his contract and really... It really rattled Ostertag in the, long, in the long run. I mean, it really was a major setback for his confidence. Uh, 
And I said, well, it's funny you tell that story because uh, we got a digital copy of the book yesterday, and so I was reading it last night. One of the first stories they go into is how Kobe punched a teammate on the bus over a $100 debt. They were shooting from half court, and whoever hits it gets 100 bucks from every other player who's shooting. And they go in the book how Shaq never thought he was going to win, but he was making a ton of money, and it was fun. And Shaq's always into the fun. And so he'd be out there hoisting up half quarters, never thinking he was going to win, right? But one of the other teammates, Samaki Walker, didn't have the 100 bucks on him. Most guys just pay right there on the floor before they leave the shoot around. I mean, you have 48 hours, though. And Samaki Walker hadn't paid, and Kobe got after him on the bus the next day and actually punched him in the face. And Samaki Walker was telling Phil to pull over the bus. He was going to take, he was ready to take Kobe outside and clean his clock. And basically, hey, we're going to come to, we're going to fight. We are going to throw punches and I am going to beat you. I am going to just beat you down. Walker was pissed and he was ready to go. They all found Kobe insufferable, a major ego, just awkward social interactions, thought too much of himself. Samaki Walker was going to take him out. And then Kobe got on the phone with a tearful apology, and they worked it out, and they were good. And Mikey Walker's like, you cannot treat people like that. You cannot act like that. I said, well, that's two stories, Jeff. How many were there? He goes, oh, there weren't that many. And then he rattled off like eight of them, complete with Devin George getting taped naked to some pole at practice, and they all left in a janitor, had to cut him loose, and then get new Devin George home somehow because they'd taken his clothes. Go back and listen to it online. It's a great and then when he just rattled through, well, it was the time so-and-so punched somebody, and then the time so-and-so slapped somebody, and then the time that Shaq dragged Brian Shaw across the locker room, and then the time... I mean, go listen to it if you think I'm exaggerating. 1280 the com. It's up there. Like, holy cow. And, and uh, those of us who uh, uh, have watched the NBA for years and have seen three-peats but have never seen the four-peat, you know, the, the Warriors came close and the Lakers came close but they didn't get it done. I mean, really, the Lakers, you could draw out to seven years. Shaq was good enough to win a title in 2006 with Wade. And Kobe, he was winning titles three, four years later. He went back-to-back with Gasol. Those guys, to think that those guys had the physical talent from 2000 to 2006 to win the league every year. Holy cow. But it's more than that. Chemistry matters. Emotions matter. Egos matter. Communication matters. You can go down the list and the... This didn't have it. So Jeff Perlman's got the book Three Ring Circus. If you want to go back and relive that era. And they do overlap with the Jazz in a couple of playoff series. So there's some, there's some Jazz stuff in there. Uh, the other thing is we talked baseball. We got, uh, we got more teams clinching. Tampa Bay won their division. And with Tampa Bay and Oakland winning divisions, and they're in the bottom third of Major League Baseball and payrolls. And the Padres are in as a wild card, bottom third. It looks like probably... Three of the top six, four of the top eight, five of the top ten payrolls are in. But that's not so unusual now. You know, that sounded crazy when there were only uh, eight or ten playoff teams. Uh, It just seemed like money mattered a lot. But now that they've opened it up to 16 teams, still five of the top ten have found a way not to get there. We're looking at you, Red Sox. What are you doing? We're looking at you, Angels. You're spending a lot of money. How come you can't figure this out? All right, that's a lot of it. The uh, NBA playoffs continue. It's game four tonight. Lakers and Nuggets. Lakers up 2-1. to one. The game's on TNT at 6 o'clock. The Heat are up 3-1. They beat the Celtics last night. Tyler Hero, why was he so wide open? I mean, he had great looks. He had 37 points, and he was wide open. Boston, what are you doing? you got to match up. You can't let him get hot and be that open. All right, DJ and PK, coming up next feedback and we'll update you on the poll question who are you pulling for here with the final four we'll get to that next stay with us 
And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Let's go. The Big Show. It's a big deal. With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Football Fridays, Coach Macalema Harrington. We're here at the warehouse. Tom Alema said he was a little bit jealous. Well, just a have, little. Having a Lemma deal. <laughs> a Lemma special. Okay. I've got about 10 love seats. Ha ha. Hey, what do you think, Coach? That's huh? just what you need is a yes. love seat. A Lemma does love need seat. a love seat. There is nothing wrong with cuddling on a love seat. Okay, well, I, I cuddle I, with my wife and watch a movie. Yeah, I agree with yeah. that. My wife is practicing social distance. <laughs> <laughs> She's been doing that for 25 years, right? I was waiting for Gordon to pop in on that one. <laughs> the Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to wrap this up with your feedback. Which team do you want to see win the NBA title? Go to David DJ James on Twitter. Cast your vote. Right now, our listeners are rooting for the Miami Heat. 45.5% of the vote. It's close. The Nuggets, even though they knocked the Jazz out, getting 41.5% of the vote. It's a lesser of two evils, right? Nuggets or Lakers? Nuggets. Lakers getting 10% of the vote, and I believe that represents the Laker fans living on the Wasatch Front and listening to this show. Celtics getting 2.5% of the vote. <laughs> Gordon Hayward poisoned that. Even Danny Ainge can't overcome that. And uh, we're still getting a ton of comments. There's still basketball be- games being played? Who knew? I've moved on to football. Well, there will be football tonight. You can enjoy the NFL tonight. The Dolphins and the Jaguars. We're all waiting for the Pac-12 meeting today to see what they decide. Will football return? We expect the answer is yes. When will it return? Could be the 31st. Could be November 7th. Could be a seven or eight game schedule. Could be a mixed date with some teams getting buys and some of the teams that have been doing a little more work on the practice field getting to start earlier, which I would think Utah would fall into that category. What do you expect when the Pac-12 and the Mountain West meet today, and there was tons of, uh, I expect Larry to get fired. I expect Larry to get another $2.5 million bonus. I expect Larry to furlough 90 more employees. I expect Larry to order the most expensive thing on the menu twice. Devin says, I'm not expecting a thing. However, if they said we just fired Larry Scott and won't be able to play until next season, I see that as a win-win. Come on, Devin, you're an Oregon duck. Eight games, you might get in. You know, we're all assuming we know what's going to happen with the college football playoff, and we may well be right. But this year's different. And the Pac-12 has taken the most heat. The Big Ten was taking the most heat for a while. Now it's shifted to the Pac-12. But this year is different. Even the leagues that we're all in on playing are saying, this year's year different, and we got to change stuff. The SEC is saying no conference games. They're giving up that cushy game with the Citadel on the third week in November before their rivalry game. They're not playing eight home games. A league that wouldn't play a ninth conference game is now playing a tenth conference game. I can go through my uh, Twitter feed here and find people, DJ, COVID's nothing. DJ, COVID's nothing. Man, the SEC thinks it's something. And they're the SEC. And they've always been all in on playing. It's just a question of figuring out how they were going to do it. But they gave up some things they love. Eight home games. The non-conference gimme right before the rivalry game. 
And now they've agreed to play a ninth and 10th conference game, the SEC kicking off this weekend. And when they all play each other 10 times, are we sure we aren't going to have an 8-2? and two? I mean, I know Bam is great, but if they have to play three hard games in a row, is there any chance that we're going to have a two-loss SEC champ? And I know they'll still get in. What about the other leagues? I don't know. The Big 12 just had such a bad first weekend. <laughs> they just they, Those first two weeks, I mean, they only had one game last week. But two weeks ago when most of them played, they had a lot of losses. Oklahoma better not mess up because it might be hard to explain a loss away in the Big 12. It could be a really ugly loss. All right, DJ and PK, we're out of time. When we come back, we won't be here. Wait a minute. Does that even make sense? Hans and Scotty will be here. They'll come out next. Stay with us.